as I stood in the corner, my heart pumping, hot tears trickling down my flushed cheeks. I remember the visceral feeling of shame running through my body. All eyes were on me. I had been singled out. You're listening to The Parenting Junkie Show, the place to go to love parenting and to parent from love. I'm your host, Avital. This is a memory of first grade. I was too chatty in class, if you can believe it, and my teacher decided to tell me to stand in the corner. She did so very politely and kindly and calmly, but just the fact that she asked me to stand in the corner as a form of punishment hurt my feelings so badly and I was feeling deeply ashamed and deeply wronged and I spent no time thinking about the fact that perhaps I was being disrespectful and not helping her to run her classroom and that I should have been more quiet and spent all the time feeling terribly hard done by and so sad and sorry for myself. Were you ever yelled at as a kid in front of others? Did your parents ever punish you, yell at you, humiliate you or shame you in front of other people? Can you connect to that experience of what it's like to be singled out from the crowd and being shown that you have made a mistake, that you are somehow unworthy or that you are worthy of punishment? And that feeling of deep shame that goes along with being publicly called out. For some reason, in today's culture, the idea of calling people out for any incorrect behaviors or opinions or actions that they may have taken has really gone, you know, spreading like a wildfire and has become something that is somehow socially sanctioned, which is interesting because public shaming has gone through lots of different legal iterations and has been mostly outlawed as a form of punishment. It's commonly thought to be a cruel and unusual punishment that has such dire psychological consequences to people that it shouldn't be used. Public dishonoring and disgracing, uh, people, you know, being taunted and punished in the town square as bylookers stand around and, you know, participate in this or somehow have this sinister glee at seeing someone being, you know, brought to their knees, being being dishonored, um, being uh, dehumanized in that way, being shamed, essentially, it has, you know, occurred throughout human history. And there has been a fascination that we all have, I think, just somewhere deep in our psyche with seeing somebody else uh, meet misfortune, seeing somebody else punished, seeing someone else hurt. I mean, if you think about gladiators as a spectator sport, people literally being (laughs) ripped apart by lions. Um, But we have our version of that today, right? And uh, there's something weirdly satisfying and that people can't look away from, right? Like we can't look away from the car crash. We can't look away from the tragedy. And there's a smug satisfaction that comes along with, uh, you know, looking at public shaming, at someone being falling, falling from grace. 
um, especially if that person was particularly successful and prosperous and um, high profile. Uh, and that's what tabloid magazines are all about, right? It's all about the inner personal vulnerable vulnerabilities, uh, mistakes, tragedies, uh, you know, just challenges that celebrities face, for example. And we all kind of like to ogle <laughs> at it and be fascinated by it because uh, we have this weird kind of satisfaction about looking at someone else uh, suffer. However, it's come to an even more extreme place. And don't worry, we're going to bring this round to parenting because I think that it's highly relevant for us as parents to really be thinking about this. It's come to a place where we're shaming each other, calling each other's, each other names. Of course, there's this call-out culture, a cancel culture, a culture where we feel very, very free to criticize other people, to do so in front of others in the public square, typically the internet, right, in the public arena, and where it's okay to completely bypass all of the systems that we have in place where you have, you know, innocent until proven guilty or go through a particular judicial process where there is due process and where evidence has to be brought forth. Um, but now we've come to a place where it's okay to simply wave around um, cruel and unusual shaming tactics and tell people that they are somehow deeply broken, deeply flawed, uh, deeply incorrect, deeply terrible people because they didn't you know, didn't perform in the way that we wanted them to, didn't behave in the way they wanted to, that that we wanted them to. Now, why am I talking about this? I really believe that what's true in the micro is typically true in the macro. So when I do coaching with couples, for example, we can often talk about one specific scenario, okay? One fight about who does the dishes is often going to hold within it all of the pieces that are true for them on the macro level in their relationship as well. Um, often when you look at a specific scenario, it's what we then see projected on a larger scenario. It's really beautiful because you can see this in nature in really fascinating, beautiful ways. I'm sure you've seen uh, those images and memes of a comparison between, say, the patterns of a fingerprint and patterns in the galaxy, right? Like the tiniest thing and the biggest thing having very, very similar patterns, uh, for example, right? Patterns that appear on the molecular level and on the cosmos cosmos level, right? It's fascinating and it's beautiful. And I think it's true in many different ways. Uh, one of my favorite quotes um, from Annie Dillard, I believe, is how we live each day is, of course, how we live our lives, right? How we wake up in the morning, how we greet our children, how we you know, manage our time, what we do with our time, how we spend our money, how we spend our words, how we spend our energy, ultimately builds together and creates how we are, what we do, what our whole life is comprised of, these tiny incremental uh, pieces, Lego pieces, if you like, that build up the whole castle. Now, I think that's also true on a societal level, in a sense, right? Like, I think if you look down to the micro of how we talk to ourselves in our own head, that informs how we talk to our partners, how we talk to our children, how we then approach neighbors, friends, 
extended family, community, country, universe, strangers on the internet. There is a certain trickling out of energetic spaces that we're willing to hold or that we show up with that influences and infiltrates and the boundaries are not always so clear between those levels. So I'm not saying there's no difference between how we parent and how we show up in the public arena or on the internet, but there's not as much difference as I think some of us would like to think. I don't think that we can be empathic, kind, compassionate, excellent communicators in our parenting who have healthy boundaries and firm uh, high expectations and a high level of support and all the healthy stuff in a relationship at home but then not treat a stranger the same way or not be able to show up to the internet in the same way. I don't see the evidence for that differentiation in reality. I don't think it's necessarily true. And I also think that there's a top-down effect of what we see in the newspapers, on the newspapers, who reads newspapers anymore? That's such an archaic thing to say. What we see on our Facebook feed, our Twitter feed, whatever, YouTube channels, etc., then trickles down and affects how we approach things at home. So it's kind of like our parenting needs to, you know, shine from the inside out. And then we also would like to create a society and a world that shines from the outside in, that uplifts us in our relationships at home as well. So I believe that if it's true in the micro, it's true in the macro and vice versa. Or at the very least, they're in a big relationship with each other. What's going on in the macro and what's going on in the micro. And it's very strange to me because I'm seeing people who would never believe in cruel and unusual humiliation and shaming of children. They don't believe in using punishments. They don't believe in uh, yelling at kids, uh, certainly not in front of others or publicly. And yet they're using those tactics in the public space. They don't believe in punishments and reward systems. They don't believe in shaming. And yet here it is. And I'm I'm just so confused how those two can calibrate and why we would want them to and why it's true for children, but not necessarily for adults. I think there's a strange differentiation between children and adults in our culture. Children are certainly not the same as adults. They don't have the, the brain development. They don't have the physical uh, development. They don't have the biological development, all of that stuff. Of course, they're not the same. I don't think for a second that they are. However, the basic tenets of psychology are usually applicable to both children and adults. And if we don't think that shaming and humiliation is a good tactic to use for behavior change in children, I'm not sure where we get the idea that that's a good tactic to use for behavior change in adults. Moreover, even if it was, is that the kind of culture and society that we want for our children to grow up in? The kind of culture and society where if you make a mistake, you will be publicly shamed. So what I'm talking about when I say publicly shamed is typically calling someone out, right? You've heard this term, calling someone out for something that they've said or done. And calling them out basically means telling them that they're wrong, telling them that they've made a mistake and doing so in front of others, where others can see, where others can participate and join in, right? Doing so on Twitter, on Facebook, uh, on your blog, whatever, making a video about it, calling people out and saying, I don't like the way you did this. I disagree with it. And therefore I'm going to shame you 
And it goes to really strange uh, extents where people actually think that they are doing some kind of favor for this person. Uh, they're enacting emotional labor on their behalf. They should be thanked. Um, they, they are somehow uh, of service. And I get it because they really think that this correction that they're uh, enacting is somehow uh, of service to the individual that they're correcting. And everybody should hear and see it because everybody should participate in this. It will strengthen their 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 you know their claim. Uh, everybody should also be warned that they shouldn't behave this way or this will happen to them. Um, but I think we're we're making some big assumptions here and some big mistakes. And I I really hope that we can pull back from the brink of this trend because I can't see it being helpful. When I think about childhood psychology, what I know about using shaming tactics and calling a child out. So say you're at the playground, a child hits another child and we start yelling at them in front of everybody and saying what a big mistake they made and how terrible they are and they're a bad kid and they need to say sorry and all of that stuff. Or even if we don't say you're a bad kid, we just yell or or, or don't yell. Maybe we say it really politely and calmly and in no uncertain terms, but we do it in front of everybody else. Here's what I know. The way that human psychology works is that that will trigger uh, the shame (laughs) mechanism, right? That person is going to feel ashamed, feel shamed, and they will have a defense mechanism put in place. Typically, they're going to uh, block out what you're saying. They won't be able to listen to the uh, actual content of what you're saying, which is hitting isn't okay, hitting hurts. Um, but what they're hearing is you're bad. Uh, I, you know, I don't like you. Nobody likes you. You're terrible. You're broken somehow. And so their defense is their ego has to stop listening to that, right? It has to block you out. And to do that, it puts up a wall of defense and it says, I'm not listening to this. I hate you. You're stupid. And we basically don't have any conversation going because We've just triggered the child's defense mechanism, uh, which isn't allowing any of our messages to go through, right? It's like a bouncer. The ego has this bouncer at the club and they're not going to allow any of those messages through justified as the messages might be. Um, Or the child hears everything we have to say, still jumps to the wrong conclusion because their conclusion is I'm deeply broken. There's something wrong with me. And they don't get the memo that we're trying to say the behavior isn't acceptable. Don't hit people because hitting hurts. They get the message you aren't acceptable. Um, And they they internalize that and they feel sorry for themselves, etc. And all of this is deeply exacerbated and made so much worse by there being an audience, right? By there being other people there because it's embarrassing. It's so embarrassing. It's so humiliating. You can't look the other people in the eye after you've been told off in that way, even if it was fully legitimate, even if you should not have hit, right? It it just doesn't feel good. Now, what I see online is people do this to someone and then there's this unrealistic expectation that that person should listen, should take it, should take it all in, should accept what they're saying, should even thank them for it and should reflect on on all of this uh, helpful critique that they've received. That's just not how human brains work. None of us, none of us <laughs> are quite that evolved and adapted and mature that if you tell us in the public arena that we're not okay, that there's something wrong with us, that we're making a mistake, that we're failing somehow, um, that 
that we won't feel hard done by because that is a shaming tactic and shame doesn't help in eliciting behavior change in the way that we want. It only creates distance, creates uh, defense mechanisms, creates revenge mechanisms where the child just wants to get back at us for saying those things. It doesn't create introspection and reflection and someone saying, you know what, this is so interesting. Thank you for helping me. I'd like to grow. And whoever thinks that that's not true for adults, it's only for children and adults should be able to handle it. I mean, we all need to take a long, hard look in the mirror. I don't think any of us can. I certainly um, find it very difficult to listen to someone who's trying to shame me in front of other people and, and embarrass me. I will get those same flushed cheeks Tears, hot tears rolling down my face, hyperventilation, uh, angry feelings of defensiveness because uh, that I st- that I got in first grade. Uh, I think I think most of us will because we are social creatures and social standing and our reputation and being accepted by the group is a biological imperative for us. It's a survival mechanism, and if that is in any way. Um, if that is in any way put into question and compromised, as it would be if someone's telling us we are uh, not, we are rejected by the group, then we will trigger a nervous system response, which is why even if I thought that this was an ethical way to handle difficulties and disagreements, which I don't, I still would think it's a very ineffective way of doing it. Now... <laughs> A lot of people think that they're doing this from a place of love and caring and to somehow better the world, but that's not usually true. And I refer you back to my podcast, The Difference Between Criticism and Critique. When someone is doing something truly to help you, truly because they care, truly because they think the feedback will be helpful, that doesn't come from a high, holier-than-thou place. It doesn't come from self-righteousness. It doesn't come from a selfish motivation. There is no smug satisfaction in seeing you suffer. It's someone who loves you, who knows you well, who gives you the benefit of the doubt, who gently, carefully, after much deliberation and thought, lets you know something that they think might be of service to you. That is incredibly different from the call-out culture that we're seeing, which is always criticism and shaming. And the public aspect of it is not only uh, unwarranted, it it is ineffective, I don't think it's ethical um, and it it really builds the kind of society where everybody is looking over their shoulders all the time. Now think about the type of family we're trying to build, each of us, right? What type of family are you trying to build? Do you want to build the type of family that when you go out and you're at a birthday party, um, your, your children are petrified of what you might say or do at any moment that will humiliate them in front of their friends, uh, where your partner is petrified of being shamed and humiliated, where you are petrified because you know that in the culture, the family culture that you're building, if you make a mistake, if you make the wrong joke, if you say the wrong thing, then you will be publicly shamed and humiliated. No, I mean, most of us know that if the shoe was on the other foot, if we were the one making a mistake, that's not how we would want people who care about us and love us and uh, want to help us improve and grow. That's not how we would want them to handle it. So what do we do? when we see something that we don't like? What do we do when we see something that we disagree with? And I think I certainly need to, and I I believe all of us need to eat a little bit of humble pie here, right? Because the first thing that we need to notice 
is that when our children mess up, okay, when they mess up, say we're at the playground and they said something mean to someone, they called someone a name, okay? First of all, sometimes, sometimes, even though we're their parents, we might still not be in the right frame of mind or it might not be the right situation for us to get involved. Sometimes, uh, in fact, I would argue that much of the time, it is more appropriate for us, more, more appropriate for us not to act. Uh, the, that kind of impetus to correct and to say what we see and to 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 swoop in and to um, to to be the righteous one who 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 parents well and who you know makes an effect on our children etc is strong but sometimes we need to say I trust them they'll figure this out yes I can see that they're behaving in a way that's not perfect or that might be really imperfect and flawed but I need to trust them they have their own path they are with you know friends they're figuring it out there was a context to all of this um, there will be a certain correction that happens just from the friends reacting, etc. Maybe I don't, maybe I'm not the right person to offer this feedback. Maybe it's not the right time to offer this feedback. Maybe they're exhausted, they're hungry, they're tired, they're having a hard time. It's not going to land. It's not a teachable moment, right? Or maybe I'm not in a teachable frame of mind. I'm triggered, I'm angry, I'm annoyed, I'm unclear on my boundaries. I won't express myself well. I haven't given this issue enough thought. So often inaction is actually the higher ground. And this is true with children and this is true with everybody else. And it's probably even more true with everybody else because we are not responsible for them and for their growth. So certainly with children, I think we need to back off a lot. Um, but with other people, we also need to back off because we don't know what's going on with them. We don't want to assume that we know better than them. Uh, we are not in a position to demand things of other people. Everybody is flawed and makes mistakes and does better when they know better and all of that stuff. And so calling people out is an act of supreme arrogance, um, but also supreme ignorance, because the truth is you don't really know, right? And what about offering the benefit of the doubt? What about assuming that maybe that person is on their journey, they have their mistakes to make, um, I see it from a different perspective than them, but they, you know, I'm not here to educate them, they are their own sovereign individual beings, and I can agree, I can disagree, maybe it's not my place to educate them. And it, that somehow has gotten completely lost from our public conversation, but I think it's getting lost from our parenting education as well, where we're taking on this burden of responsibility that isn't ours to bear, of too much correction, too much control, too much um, feedback loops of how our children behave. Maybe it's okay, and we all want to live in a society where it's okay to make some mistakes, to test things out, to be awkward or weird or strange or say something mean, uh, you know, or do something mean from time to time and have our peers and our, our social circles kind of teach us whether that gains us favorability, maybe that whether that works in our favor or doesn't. You and I learned that growing up because when we were growing up, we would play with friends, they would say something to us, we would say something to them, we would figure it out, we would learn over time that, that might not be an effective way of behaving with 
friends and not just because adults were constantly telling us and policing us and really you know kind of uh, coming down on us like a ton of bricks if every time we made a mistake so you we've got to let some of the things go with our kids some of the time we can't constantly be there to make them perfect individuals and I think it would behoove us to make a culture and a society that allows for that you know uh, frame of human error for the margins uh, for us all to be lifelong learners lifelong evolvers people who change and grow and um and not for us to swoop in and demand uh, perfection or demand that things uh, get enacted in the way that we believe that they should according to our uh, value system even with our own kids, absolutely, we've got to teach them our values, no question about it. The question is, do we need to force our values down their, down their necks, right, down their little necks? Do we need it to be overbearing and constant? Or is there a space for them to make their mistakes, you know, be who they are, deal with the consequences of that? So sometimes doing nothing is the right thing, but sometimes we've got to say something, right? We feel compelled, we feel moved, we feel that this is important, we've got to set a boundary. And I think with other people, we really, really very rarely need to say something, very rarely, very carefully. Um, but with our children, certainly it's more often that we do have to correct them. Now, if our kid is acting out in front of other people, as happens often in my family, what would happen if we decided to call them in? Okay, what would happen if we decide to help them to save face, to not humiliate them, and to model for them what self-regulation looks like? So I get triggered, I'm angry because you're behaving in a wild way, and our friends are here, and you're being mean to their kid, and instead of yelling to you and telling you, you know, what, what is wrong with you right now, I say, please, can you come with me for a minute? I just want to talk to you about something. And I say, come, I want to talk privately. We go to a corner, we go to the side, and I whisper in your ear, and I, I, I think what I'm going to say and how I'm going to say it. And this is the act of calling someone in rather than calling them out. It's privately addressing something from a place of generosity, from a place of critique, not criticism, from a place of love, from a place that wants their highest good, that believes in them, that holds their highest good to light, that is not there to shame them, to humiliate them, to make them suffer for their actions, but is truly there to genuinely enlighten them and help them notice something that might be of service in their development and in their growth. So I know that this is how I would like to be treated when I make mistakes, as I often do. I don't want my husband to, you know, point them out in front of friends. I don't want him to call me out. I don't want people to call me out on, you know, on social media. I don't want to be, uh, whatever, um, attacked. I want uh, people who truly care and who truly think that some, they have something to say that, that might help me, as many people have done over the years, by the way, um, they could, you know, privately say, hey, I'm not sure if you know this, but this might be helpful for you to learn and to grow. And then you have to also ask yourself, well, and what energy does that come from, right? Um, do we want to show them what being humble looks like? Right? Do we want to offer something that might be of service to them rather than berate them and shame them? Right? Uh, can we offer them the benefit of the doubt and say, I know that you might not realize that this is hurtful or this is ineffective or this isn't helpful or this is wild or this is mean behavior. 
But what I have found and what I have learned and what I have noticed is that it's better to do it in this way or that I really hope that you can make this choice. Um, and with our children, sometimes we're going to have to be firmer than that, right? Sometimes we're going to say, hey, I see uh, that you're really being mean to that that child, right? Or maybe we don't want to phrase it that way because that is going to trigger their defenses again. We can say, I see that his feelings are getting really hurt when you say that you don't want to play with him. Um, how can I help? And when we come from a space of how can I help, uh, what can I do, right? I can see that you're struggling. I can see that you're struggling with playing with that kid. How can I help? I can see that you're struggling uh, with a lot of hitting and I can't let you stay here and hit. Do you want to go inside? Do you want to take a break? If you don't want to take a break, I might need to take you away for a break because I can't let you stay here and hit, right? We want to use I statements around things that I'm feeling. I'm feeling really uncomfortable seeing him being left out of the group. I'm worried that he's feeling hurt by that. Uh, you know, are you able to be uh, more kind to him or more inclusive, right? So we want to come from a place of being curious and of offering someone the benefit of the doubt and assuming that there's a reason that they're behaving the way they're behaving. Maybe they didn't know that that is hurting someone. Maybe they didn't know that that is um, an insensitive behavior. Maybe they did know, but they feel upset or um, their, their brain is totally hijacked by something else. Maybe they need help. Maybe they need information. Maybe they need support. Maybe they need a change. How about we be curious and humble and let people know that we're here holding their goodness to light, trying to support them, trying to help them grow as we need to, right? We are not perfect. I am not perfect. I don't know everything. Even in the face of, you know, correcting my own children, I need to be aware that yes, I'm the leader, I'm the authority, I'm the adult, I will set boundaries, I will follow through consistency, I won't let them behave in destructive ways. But the energy that I do that from needs to not be an energy of shaming, of calling out, of humiliating them, of this, you know, heavy load of bricks that's going to uh, come down on their nervous system if they are, you know, stepping out of line from, from where I deem the line to be, from my high and almighty place, but instead from an energy saying, hey, we're trying to build a, a loving, peaceful, enjoyable experience for everyone here. I'm noticing that this thing isn't working. I really need you to please adjust, make this adjustment, and how can I help you to do that? Look, we don't influence our children or anyone else by attacking them, shaming them and humiliating them, okay? Because we're all flawed, we all make mistakes and we need to be thinking how we would like to be treated when those things happen to us. I am dismayed and perplexed to see that people think that this is a viable, ethical and effective tactic for influencing others, for inspiring change, uh, for uh, making an effect in the world. And I am equally perplexed and dismayed to, to think that that is a tactic that we might be using in our own families. And I would like to encourage us all to step way back from the brink of any kind of call out culture, not participate in it, not endorse it, not encourage it, not think that this is some kind of effective way of moving forward. Um, it's deeply unkind, it's arrogant, it's ignorant, and it doesn't work. 
it simply <laughs> shoves those, those people further and further away from us and from our point of view and actually closes their minds to anything of value that we may have had to offer them, right? So our, our message goes completely, un, completely unheard, completely lost, but the message that comes through loud and clear is a message of hatred and division. I'm seeing more and more messages of hatred and division and it worries me and I feel compelled to act. And so I have put together a mini course and mini coaching experience called Depolarize. Depolarize is a course that will help you harmonize, communicate and connect even with people you completely disagree with. If you're feeling the extremities of polarization pulling and tugging at the fabric of society, you are not alone. It is real, it is happening, and it's actually tearing families apart. It's heartbreaking to hear that marriages are falling apart, grandparents and grandkids are being pulled apart, communities and friendships are crumbling, all because of polarized opinions about politics, about religion, about uh, vaccinations, you name it. There are so many different polarizing and taboo subjects and research has actually shown that we are becoming more polarized in our opinions and not less. As someone who stands firmly for unity and harmony and the ability to hold space for each other and to coexist peacefully, this definitely tugs at my heartstrings and so I am launching Depolarize. This is going to be a mini course where you will learn 10 switches that you've got to flip in your conversations with people that you very much disagree with. It will not only help you to be more influential and more persuasive in your opinions, but also help you to save the relationships with the people that you love, even if you completely disagree with them. I don't have any particular race in any particular, sorry, I don't have any particular horse in any particular race on all of these subjects. I have very complex and nuanced opinions on all of them, but I do have a very clear uh, horse in the race of keeping families and relationships and friendships united and harmonized, healthy, happy, connected, and communicative. That is what I see as the most urgent, uh, you know, crisis uh, of our time in terms of our social fabric and something that we absolutely must prioritize. And so if you're curious about this, I invite you to head over to the parentingjunkie.com slash depolarize, D-E-P-O-L-A-R-I-Z-E. And there you will hear more about this mini course and how you can enroll and join me. It will also include, if you're hearing this live, it will also include three coaching sessions where I will help you to apply this to your individual relationships. So if you're feeling very polarized and disconnected from someone in your family or in your friendship circle or in your community and you're having a lot of trouble handling that, um, then that is something that we can address together in those coaching sessions. And if you join the course after that coaching is over, you will still receive access to the recordings. All right, so I look forward to seeing you on the inside of that. In the meantime, I want to just leave you with this. Call out culture is unhealthy for us. Public shaming was outlawed for a reason. We, re we react very negatively to being humiliated and shamed, but not in the way that the shamers would like. We don't reform ourselves and suddenly 
believe in what they're teaching us and do better, we don't do that. Instead, we just feel depressed and even suicidal as a result. Um, what does help, however, is connected conversations that come from a place of curiosity, of service, of mutual humanity and humility. And so both with our children and with everybody else, I want to make a strong case and endorsement for calling people in if and when the situation truly warrants it, but being extremely cautious about calling people out. Thanks for listening to The Parenting Junkie Show. If this was helpful for you, I would be so appreciative if you would subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. Subscribing to the show means you'll get the bonus episodes that I only deliver here. And when you rate and review the show, it helps other parents find it. I'll be shouting out some of my favorite reviews in upcoming episodes and would love to spotlight you. And remember, keep on loving parenting and parenting from love. Namaste.